On September 12th, two school boards were filled to the brim with attendees. Nearly every one of the scores of public comments at both the Grossmont Union High School Board and La Mesa Spring Valley Board meetings focused on one issue, policies towards the LGBTQIA community. Hi, I'm Manny Gomez and this is Table Talk, a podcast about our hometown of La Mesa. Today we're going to focus on one of those battles. Comments at the Grossmont board meeting went well into the evening. And to discuss what happened there, we're talking with someone who has been deeply involved in La Mesa schools for years. He has two children who went through schools in La Mesa. He's been in very deep at the PTA. He was the La Mesa Spring Valley and Grossmont Union High School District Advisory Council Chair, Citizens Bond Oversight Committee Chair, and the list goes on. He's also a teacher in the Poway Unified School District. And now he's running to serve on the Grossmont Union High School District Board. Jay Steiger, it's a pleasure to have you join us. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here and looking forward to a great conversation. So first, I'm hoping you can just set the scene for us. When you walked into the Grossmont Union High School board meeting, what did you see? The number of community members that showed up was incredibly impressive. And having been to many a board meeting, some for Grossmont District, but many for La Mesa Spring Valley over the years, both sometimes for issues where I had concern. I was very active as a parent during the Great Recession and, and times of school budget cutting. But also when I was a uh, district advisory council chair, PTA officer, or bond oversight member, just these meetings tend not to be heavily attended. And so to see the number of community members, and, and definitely it was overwhelmingly for those that were concerned by the conduct of the board. And, and the word had gone out to wear white in solidarity with the LGBTQ plus community. And so the number of white outfits that were in the audience was definitely overwhelming compared to those not. And so very impressive. And so many young people there. That was equally impressive as so many of the student population and the youth population had shown up to represent and to say, no, you know, this is not right. And we're going to stand in solidarity with our LBGTQ brothers and sisters or those who are actively with that group and saying, no, you can't erase me. I will not be part of your attempt to pretend I don't exist. Right. And um, to clarify, all, all these people were there because the school board voted to terminate a contract with San Diego Youth Services. You're 100 percent correct. In July, the board majority voted to end this contract, which had been going on for years and years and years for reasons that were highly, when I say unclear, they were unclear in the sense of the official record from the standpoint of what became apparent. It there was a member of a, a neighboring school board district from Cajon Valley. This individual is very, very open in their uh, opposition to LGBTQ plus equality and inclusion and raised concerns that were extremely questionable and in many cases uh, based on false information. And the board then decided to terminate it. And one of the most frustrating, to put it nicely, comments came from one of the Grossmont board majority who said that this program doesn't represent East County values without ever elaborating, well, what are those values? Because I can tell you as a, as a parent and community member, East County 
represents for its youth. We have always stepped forward for our youth. We've supported our schools. We've, we've overwhelmingly voted in school construction bonds. People take their kids to school, you know, and, and athletics and, and special events, and we're there for our kids. So this idea of, oh, it doesn't represent our values. Well, our values in East County have always been to place the interests of our kids first. And so I have no idea what you are talking about with those values. So they voted to do this in July. There was a follow-up meeting after the news broke and there was an outcry and they voted to replace it with a different mental health. And I'm, I'm not casting any shade on the new program, but even the superintendent noted that it will take at least two months to scale that up. So you're kind of leaving these kids waiting while you're getting this new group basically set up in the district and, and cleared and prepped and understanding. And that didn't have to be because the San Diego Youth Services Program had been there for years, highly regarded. It's used around the county. Um, and, and one of the things that I wondered about, and I haven't gotten any answers on this, is, well, nobody appears to have complained. There were no students complaining. There were no parents complaining about this. There were no staff complaining. There was no administration complaining, saying, hey, we're not sure that this program fits the needs of our school district and our kids. We have concerns. We have questions. There was none of that. Nobody is questioning the good work that this program does, the program itself, until suddenly in July when one neighboring board member says, oh, my goodness, you shouldn't do this. And suddenly it happens. So that that's bad policy. You just don't do that. If you have concerns, you say, hey, we're going to investigate this. We're going to check it out. We're going to make sure everything's done the way it's supposed to be. But no, it was just suddenly, a, oh, this doesn't represent our values and pull the plug. So flying back to what you referenced in early August, the turnout for this meeting was fantastic. And there were many advocates that did speak. I, I spoke as well. But the most impressive were those voices of the youth, the ones who came forward and said, this is wrong. You're doing this, it's gonna cause harm. I benefited from this, or my friends benefited from this. This is a good program. And you're disrespecting a group within this district for highly questionable reasoning that appears to be biased and bigoted reasoning. And that is just flat not right. And so those voices really, I felt elevated that discussion and drove home the point so adeptly to the board majority that this was a bad decision and this kind of nonsense needs to stop. Yeah. And that's, uh, <clears throat> that's why we're here to talk about this. So I just wanted to pull it back to actually go into the San Diego youth services program itself. Yep. Um, it is a nonprofit organization that, as you mentioned, provides mental health services to East County schools and schools throughout San Diego County overall. Uh, it was founded in the seventies and has helped nearly 800,000 youth living in San Diego uh, in that time frame. But more importantly, San Diego Youth Services has created awareness around important issues that our children face and also give us as parents resources to help our children deal with those issues, help us know how to recognize and, and talk to our kids about these issues. And they've also fostered a community of activism and involvement that most people would be in support of and would generally want to continue a relationship with our school system. And as you mentioned, there was a single complaint that kind of brought that to an end. Were you present when that single 
person came forward and made their complaint? No, I was not at the meeting in July. I found out about it after the meeting and kind of was just joining with every other person and raising my eyebrows and my jaw dropping down saying, what in the world are they thinking here? This is uh, absolutely ridiculous. The, the one thing I will note is the individual, the board member, Carnavale, from the Cajon Valley District, again, no secret of uh, his views on this particular issue of inclusion. He did not hide it at all. It was one of the comments or, or conversations I've had with some of my fellow advocates that are involved in education uh, in our community is that, you know, wow, this guy did not even shield anything. He was very, very upfront about his positions and he got voted in and, you know, here he comes and causing causing drama, unnecessary drama in a neighboring district, which is disappointing to put it mildly. So another board member did make a comment, Elva Salinas, a professor emeritus at San Diego County Community College District and a member of the school board who voted against the board's decision, recently wrote an op-ed in the San Diego Union Tribune. She said, quote, the decision was made to terminate San Diego Youth Services contract on the basis of one public comment that was backed by no evidence or investigation. With a three to one vote and one absentee, the board abruptly ended services for students with no regard for their well-being. Now, we understand that the board members who voted yes didn't exactly, as you mentioned, conduct an in-depth investigation into San Diego Youth Services and the effects that this decision would potentially have uh, on the students and their well-being. What do we know about the process these board members went through to reach the decision to terminate their contract? Do you know of any investigations they did, any research? You know, was there a, a behind-the-scenes investigation into San Diego Youth Services and these comments by board member Carnavale on his concerns? In my knowledge, no. And actually, I think you raise a great question because when when you say, um, so what was their thought process? I, I actually would look at them and say, that's a great question. What was your thought process on this? I want to be very humble here. I'm absolutely not the only person to ask that. And that was a common theme in all of the comments on the meeting of the 12th for the people who showed up to raise concerns and questions it flew back a lot to what were you thinking? Explain yourself. What in the world were you thinking? And we haven't received answers on this yet. I don't know whether we're going to or, or not. There tends to be a kind of an approach of, oh, the decision's been rendered and we're moving on now. And that's unfortunate because as you noted, there was no research, no discussion. And as I mentioned earlier, this is a well-regarded program and you didn't have students saying, hey, this didn't help me, or, or teachers saying, I have concerns, or parents saying, I don't like the way that my child was handled when they were in crisis. Nobody's complaining about this program. Matter of fact, quite the opposite is highly, highly regarded. And a bonus is that it's not only highly regarded, but their program director said, you know, we're not charging for this program with the Grossmont District. It's a service that we provide. And so... It raises so many questions about conduct. 
it kind of just ties into a lot of the nonsense we're seeing around the country and unfortunately around the state right now regarding education. Yeah, and it is it is very concerning. I myself have a child in the La Mesa Spring Valley School District, and over the course of COVID, there were issues raised with masking and things like that, that for most people, you know, my child has to wear a mask, fine, they can breathe, they're okay, they're going to survive. But it seemed like from then on, things just kind of snowballed, and there are these groups and organizations that are kind of seeing that there are some breaches, I guess you could say, in the schools where they can get in and kind of push their agenda and get what they want done within these school districts. And I think it's very important that we as parents who do support I fully support the San Diego Youth Services programs. Like you said, they are providing great help, great resources that we need. Going back to the the board member comments, board member Salinas went on to say that the board members who voted against the contract were asked if they met with the director of San Diego Youth Services. They said yes. But when asked if they had found any evidence that the claims against San Diego Youth Services were valid, they said no which plays right into what you were saying. There's no evidence being brought forth by the children, by the parents, by the teachers to validate why this was done. And it really, you know, it, it makes you think that there's a bigger a, a bigger thing going on behind behind the scenes that we aren't really privy to. And there's also uh, some reporting that was done by KPBS. They quoted a math teacher in the district Kristen Laprell, who pleaded with the board to, quote, please keep San Diego Youth Services so our kids don't commit suicide. Our LGBTQ youth think about it four times more than our straight children. Now, can you talk about the importance of mental health care for our LGBTQ kids? Oh, 100%. It's hugely important. Mental health, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go big and then draw it in. Mental health is is huge for youth. And if we want to expand a little bit, obviously COVID put a very, very focused spotlight on the importance of, of mental health. But even before COVID, I mean, teenagers have a reputation and, you know, we all were teenagers at one point or another. And even if we had a more or less positive experience in our youth, we do understand that that is, it's a weird time of life. There's so many changes and, you know, you do tend to have a more angsty time, even if it's not severe for one's own personal experience. But many teenagers do have a more severe experience and they need that support. You know, this isn't, again, 1955. We're, we're not doing the, oh, just tough it through, you know, literally rub some dirt on your head and, and move on with your life. We understand that that support's necessary. And so even outside of the LGBTQ plus community, just youth in general need that extra support. COVID absolutely exacerbated that. All of the issues, all of the tensions, all of the stresses were magnified and enhanced because of COVID. And we're, we're helping kids walk back in from that. We're getting them back into a more stable, more grounded situation that helps them grow into young adults and become part of society. And you're not ignoring these conditions that need to be addressed and uh, properly uh, treated. But then focusing that in on the LGBTQ plus community, yeah, that community is at 
highest risk. And newsflash, it always has been because of the historic prejudice bias, this idea of even when it was no longer considered acceptable to go and actually do physical harm. And unfortunately, in today's society, we've shown some people are comfortable with that approach. But even moving past that, it's still this idea of, well, don't really be who you are, you know, have the closet code shift so that you make it comfortable for other people instead of just, you know, who you are is who you are. And we welcome you as who you are and validate you as who you are. And that should be part of society. But because we haven't hit that yet, that stress, that pressure, that mental health impact is absolutely there. And people from the LGBTQ plus demographic are at higher risk for mental health, for uh, issues, for suicide risk. Um, and so that mental health support, those programs are even more crucial for that, even though they're very crucial for all young people, but even more so. And, you know, one of the things that gets irksome is this whole idea of so-called safe spaces has been tossed around like a political tennis ball and used to mock people. And the, the thought is, you know, as a teacher, and I've had and have LGBTQ plus students that I've taught in my classrooms and provide support, I, I view it as that is an obligation as a teacher to provide them that support so that they can be who they are and grow as a, as a young person. But when they talk about these so-called safe spaces, it's like, yeah, you know, if a kid is in crisis, if a kid is having a problem, yeah, we give them that safe space because, you know, their life is the most important thing ever. And so we make sure that they're protected. And absolutely, that might be somebody who's LGBTQ+. That also might be a straight, hetero, white male who's just having a really rough time for reasons we're not sure of, and we need to give them that space. So no matter who it is, yeah, absolutely, they need that safe space, we give them that safe space. And enough with the using it to score cheap political points, let's support our kids, let's protect our kids. Yeah, and there's a lot of conversation going around about protecting kids, and I think those are kind of empty words spoken by some people who, who really, at the end of the day, don't truly care about protecting kids. They're just, as you say, trying to win some political points and maybe get their voice out there and, and get heard by a community. But I wanted to touch on some of the additional services yeah. offered by the San Diego Youth Services, because it's not just focused on the LGBT community, although it does offer really great services and resources. They also provide child sex trafficking awareness and recovery resources, support for foster care families, homeless housing and support for at-risk youth, workforce development, suicide prevention and intervention, adoption support, anti-bullying awareness and support, juvenile delinquency diversion and intervention, mental health services, of course, LGBTQIA plus services, domestic violence prevention, and an after-hours crisis line. So it's not just an LGBTQIA-focused program. It helps everyone within the community. And a lot of those resources are extended to the parents. So it's, it's an inclusive, comprehensive program that, as you said, has been around for a long time, and it's done a lot of great work in San Diego County. I wanted to get back to this and talk about the arguments the opponents of the San Diego Youth Services made at the Grossmont School Board meeting. Uh, 
I'd love to have them clarify a little more on their their arguments because it seems to focus around from from what I've understood that this board member from Cone Valley raised up a question about LGBTQ plus safe spaces. And that seemed to be like that was the thing they grabbed and ran with. And then you have the comment from the board member from Grossmont who said, oh, this doesn't represent our East County values without explaining, okay, what supposed values is this not representing? What are the values that you are uh, supposedly saying need to be represented? It's all very murky. It's it's very cloudy. And, and of course, you know, I want to be careful as a citizen of the community who's been a volunteer for many years and worked with many people. Um, and I serve on the, the Valley Euro Community Planning Group as well, which is a diverse body, and we all try to respect each other. You know, trying not to put words in somebody else's mouth or thoughts in somebody else's mouth. But at the same time, it's like, look, your evidence is not exactly helping you here because what it sounds like is this is based on an anti-LGBTQ plus agenda. And so the ball is in your court and you need to be able to conclusively demonstrate that that's not the case because this is the evidence that presents and we haven't heard anything to the contrary. And, and I, I, you mentioned empty words. It's not just saying, oh no, of course that wasn't it. Then it's like, well, if that wasn't it, then what was it? What are your specific data points? That's one thing is it's like when you make policy, whether it's at a, a, a federal government or a state or the city or a school district, you're supposed to use data to drive your decision making and your policy making. And when that's absent, then the question marks become very obvious about, well, OK, well, what did you base that on? What was your rationale? And we're seeing this nonsense across the country. You referenced it during COVID. Yeah. Uh, in my own district, I teach in Poway, live here locally in East County, but teach in Poway. And during COVID, there was a situation where a group of uh, a small group, but very loud, uh, showed up and literally crashed the board meeting and quote unquote, took over the school board and literally pronounced themselves as the new school board for Poway, which it's like, hey, I teach social studies and civics, and yeah, that's not how it works, but that's what they did. And the sad thing, I'm going to say this on the side, is that what I found out later on is that there were a bunch of students who were going to be honored by the board uh, at that meeting that night for doing, you know, it's things like, oh, they got 100% on the, the spelling bee at their school, or they won this community service award. It's the stuff that school boards do that's really fun, that honors the, the cool things that kids achieve. And these kids didn't get that. They had to be evacuated from the building the same as the board because these extremists came in and decided to cause problems for their own views and decisions, even though they were a minority view. And so we're seeing a lot of that around the country. And, and it's manifesting itself in this intolerance toward the LGBTQ plus community, but also in teaching truth, trying to ban books, trying to stop teachers from teaching things that actually are just truthful. You know, this isn't teaching some so-called controversial uh, academic program, but literally just saying, yeah, this country engaged in a slave trade for decades. You know, this country took land away from Native Americans and just acknowledging that without saying, oh, the United States is this terrible country, because most people don't believe that. 
but you can acknowledge your own country's history and say, yeah, we did bad things. Yes, we did good things too, but we need to look the bad things that we did in the eye and acknowledge them and not try to pretend that they don't exist. And so unfortunately, this has been grabbed and politicized and exploded by these minority view extremists. And, you know, they cause all sorts of drama that doesn't need to happen and ultimately hurts kids and sticks because one of the comments I made to the board on the 12th was, how do you think after your actions, the LGBTQ plus student community and staff feel about their acceptance in this district now? It's like, yeah, if you're acting in the best interest of kids, you just marginalized a bunch of kids. Oh, and you marginalized staff as well, which is the exact opposite of inclusion. Well, I think there are a lot of things that you said in there, Jay, that um, don't really resonate very well with that side. Things like data and truth <laughs> and effects of other people. It's It seems that it's all, when it comes down to it, it's all about them and how these things make them feel, regardless of you know whether or not they have children that are being helped by these programs, whether or not they have friends and family members who need these programs to, to stay sane and, and to be able to continue working through their struggles. It all reflects on how I'll try to be nice about this, how small it makes them to feel to have to talk to their children when they come home about, you know, someone having two dads or someone having two moms or they heard the word binary at school and now they have to explain this to their child. And, you know, it's like, welcome to being a parent. This is what we do as parents. You should be preparing yourself to discuss these things with your children. Don't make them smaller because you refuse to grow as a person. You're an adult now, and it's your job to help your children transition into adulthood. And you're not going to do that by limiting what they learn, what they experience, and their emotional growth. So I think it is very important that we do move forward from a place of truth and research and data, but that seems to fall on deaf ears when you talk to the other side. And it really gets minimized overall because everything's so emotional and it's about, you know, this is this is how you make me feel when, when my child is subjected to this. Going back to the comments at, at the school board meeting, were there any comments on either side that really stood out to you, that really made an impression or or made an impression on, on the board that you think? There were so many powerful comments from the audience members that were calling out the board for these actions. And a, a couple of things that jumped out again, the voices of the youth that talked about their own experience and how they have had to literally transcend both the bigotry that they've sometimes encountered that they felt wasn't being appropriately addressed by the school district, and also sometimes the the mental health um, issues that they had been encountering and how they were positively helped by San Diego Youth Services. That's huge. The other thing that I thought was particularly powerful, and, and I agree with the people who talked about this, is the board majority in 2008 voted to support Prop 8, the bigoted and divisive proposition that uh, unfortunately was passed with a small majority in California. And now we are uh, hopefully going to be able to repeal that. 
as a, a state. But people called out the board and said, some of you were on the board at that time and voted for this. If you want to make amends for bad decision-making and um, non-inclusive practices, this would be a great place to start. Formally repeal your endorsement of this. And I thought, yeah, that would be a great thing. It wouldn't take long. It's not like you're going to spend a bunch of, you don't have to convene a focus group or anything, but just put it out there and repeal it and say, this was a mistake. Sorry, we shouldn't have done this. It was not an inclusive practice. I, I thought that was a, a very powerful statement from them, but it comes down to if you are in support of all youth, then demonstrate consistently you are in support of all youth. Don't try to pick off one group. And, and right now, let's be honest about it. It's trans youth and trans adults. That is the group that the minority of extremists are trying to separate away and say, well, yeah, maybe we'll accept gay marriage, but not these trans people. And it's like, no, all means all. All people means all people. And we're not going to stand by and let you divide away a group of people that have every right to live and grow and thrive as humans in the truth as to who they are and support them and uh, allow them that space to be who they are, because that's what we do. If you'll indulge, I wanted to fly back to something real quick about this small group of people who seem to be terribly concerned about their kids actually experiencing the diversity of our state. Yeah, we are the, the most diverse state in the country. And it's just a reality. You know, there's this whole thing about, again, talk about another, uh, that the safe spaces has gotten weaponized. And this whole thing about woke has been ridiculously weaponized as a stick. And, you know, you have people that are running for the presidency that love to sling that word around without really knowing what it means. And I'm not getting into whether someone wants to adopt that as part of their personal culture. I'm just saying the idea of separating people, of marginalizing people and not saying, hey, we're a very diverse state, we're a very diverse country, and accepting that we are diverse and leaning into that and recognizing that we lift each other up, that's not, quote unquote, being woke. That's just reality. This is the world in which we live, and let's be part of the world in which we live instead of trying to pretend that we can roll the clock back 60, 70 years, which, by the way, we don't want to do anyway. That's that's a great uh, great point, and I think there's I don't know who said this, but there's a, a saying that for the people who have always been in power, equality for other people looks like oppression to them, because now they're seeing everyone on on the same level playing field, and they're going, well, I'm not special anymore. I'm I'm supposed to be equal to them. You're taking away my worth, and that is absolutely not what is being done here. It's just saying, hey, as you mentioned, everybody is equal everybody deserves the same chance everybody deserves to to be who they are and feel comfortable who they are and be able to express themselves however they see fit and that just some people cannot cope with that and they absolutely do not want that to happen because they feel that it devalues themselves which again it, it doesn't it just says hey, that person is just as valuable as you. They have just as much of a right to a happy life as you do. And I think when people see that being brought to the forefront, that's the quote-unquote wokeness that you're talking about. And I always find it funny when someone talks about 
being woke or wokeness, ask them to, to say, you know, what, what is wokeness? Yeah. You know, define wokeness to me. Can you define what that means? And most times they can't. So let's get back to the dismissal of the San Diego Youth Services contract uh, mm -hmm. to replace the mental health care provided by San Diego Youth Services. Grossmont expanded a contract with Wellness Together. Now, on the website for Wellness Together, they state our commitment to providing equitable support to all students in schools remains unwavering, including underserved and LGBTQIA plus students who are disproportionately at risk for devastating mental health challenges, including an increased risk of death by suicide. But beyond that, we couldn't really find any information on their practices with LGBTQIA plus students. Have you been able to find any information or do you have anything you can share with us that may, uh, I guess, give us some light on wellness together and, and what they offer? I have not. I, I haven't. I, I will say this. The director of, of San Diego Youth Services did comment very briefly on the new program and complimented them, said that they, they're a good program. They have a good reputation of providing mental health support for students. And so there was no criticism uh, on his part. And I, to me, I actually will take that and say, well, that's a good thing that he's saying, uh-oh, you know, um, he's not saying, uh-oh, this is a danger thing. This is a terrible, terrible mistake from the standpoint of you're putting in a subpar program. That said, again, it flies back to what we've been talking about, unnecessary choices. And there was nothing wrong with San Diego Youth Services. And, and the thing that makes me kind of chuckle is, so if your concern was there was a focus on services for the LGBTQ plus community, and so you wanted to get rid of San Diego Youth Services, and now you replaced it with another group that says, yes, of course, we serve this community and this group as well. And we recognize the particular concerns that this particular group and demographic has in the mental health and in suicide prevention, the extra needs there. It's like, wait a second, you're you're swapping the same for the same, at least on the surface here. So again, it's just kind of an eye roll and it begs more questions. It's like, what were you thinking? This is profoundly weird that you did this. And, you know, again, based on what we're hearing, we're going to come to some conclusions here, you know, on what we think you might have been thinking on this. As far as going a little deeper, you know, I think they've made their commitment on this. And I it, it definitely sounds like they are resistant to pulling back on it. I mean, I think the community should continue to ask the hard questions and, and raise the concerns. That's, you know, sunlight, best disinfectant and all that. Don't let things happen in secret. But it may be that this is going to happen and we're just going to have to see how they do over the course of months and ask counselors and ask staff and ask students, because that's going to give you some good information there. Students can give you some responses and they might not be as worried about, you know, uh, maybe crossing somebody that they worry about. Students, especially the modern generation of students, they tend to be pretty forthright, I can tell you. And so asking those questions about, well, what do you think? How did you feel about this? Do you think that needs were being served? Were they responsive? And were they inclusive, which is the, the huge concern? So time will tell on that, I think. It's just, again, 
I like to watch sports with my kids and there's the famous is like when they make a bad play call and it's like, Ooh, that was a self-inflicted wound. And it's kind of like, you see that with this decision. It's like, well, gee, I hope this wasn't a self-inflicted wound in the long term. Right. And I think one, one concern, at least for parents and teachers is that it takes time to build a trusting relationship with students and staff, the relationship that San Diego youth services has already built a long-standing relationship so it, it's going to take time and as you said it, potentially you know a couple months for this system to even get up and running mm-hmm. and then on top of that you know these children are now meeting new counselors new new people that they have to get comfortable with new people that they have to share stories that may not be so easy to share they have to be vulnerable again with with a completely new person and that that's just like you said it's a self-inflicted wound that these children shouldn't have to endure. They're they're going into puberty, some of these kids, and they're dealing with, you know, who knows what at home and who knows what within their themselves. And to throw them in this kind of turmoil and take away someone, you know, maybe they developed a really close relationship with a counselor that they felt completely comfortable sharing anything they were going through. And that counselor may likewise have a good relationship with the parent or family member. And now that's gone. And you have to reestablish that, and that takes time. And hopefully within that time frame, some of these kids don't just lose themselves and, and fall victim to self-harm or, you know, God forbid, suicide. And that's I think that's something that the school board did not think about. It seems like they didn't really think about any of these things. They just made a decision on a whim and – here we are. So if I don't know if you want to comment on that or if you have anything to add. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. It also puts a lot more work on the existing counselors. And that was a comment that I heard that kind of made me roll my eyes. And I, I'll be honest, I apologize. I'm not sure who made it, but one of the comments that I heard coming out, whether it was a board member or somebody else, was, well, the schools have counselors. And it's like, yeah, and they're really overworked. And so the idea of, oh, you can just blithely say, oh, well, the counselors can pick up the slack while we bring in a new group, that's, it's disrespectful and it's not really true as well. Counselors do amazing work. They're incredibly overworked. But the idea that, oh, that's no problem. No, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be an issue. It provides unnecessary extra stress and that stress ultimately blows back on the kids. The other thing I wanted to comment on briefly regarding that was that these sorts of things we talk about, and I'm I'm going back into teacher mode here, for kids to learn in the classroom, the number one thing you ask people in the know and they'll say, yeah, what's the number one thing? Oh, they have to feel safe. It comes before everything else. Yes. You know, interesting, engaging lessons, relevant, you know, not too hard, not too easy, all of that. Absolutely important. But number one, they have to feel safe. And so if you have a a child who is undergoing mental distress and that is not being properly addressed, they are not going to be able to learn properly. And then not only are they potentially falling behind academically, which can slow them down in their progress through school, it could end up denying them opportunities for higher education or or delaying those, but also how do kids handle it when they are under stress and they're not the, those, the stress is not being addressed. They often act out. You, you see, you know, they talk about 
behavior is a form of communication. It 100% is. So you have kids that may start to act out and then that causes disciplinary issues. And it's not that they're like, you know what, I'm going to raise heck here. It's, oh, I've got this need. It's not being addressed and I'm coming apart inside. And so I'll behave this way. And so it's just this cascade of a bad decision leading to a lot of potentially bad results, you know, one after the other. And it goes back to what you said. I don't think they thought. And, you know, it is complex, but it's like, yeah, you're sitting in the chair and you need to think about these things. And again, you didn't say, huh, well, let's let's do a data dive. Let's find out, you know, are there any concerns about this? No, it was just let's pull the plug. And that's that's just bad policymaking. It, you, you cannot sugarcoat it. It's just bad policymaking. It is. It is. And it also proves the point that elections matter and we need to get more people like you on these boards to make sure that we are making good decisions uh, for our children. I, I will absolutely note that I'm an ally. So, you know, I'm not a member of the LGBTQ plus community by identification, but I believe in everyone's humanness and I believe in the right of all people to be true to themselves and identify as they identify and, you know, live their lives that way. So uh, I take the allyship very seriously. I think all of us that are allies need to be a lot more vocal about that now and let people know you are not alone in this. We have your back. And, you know, by straight demographics, yeah, the number of people who are not identified with LGBTQ plus is larger just by demographics of the natural than those who identify in, in that demographic. And we need to be there for them, just like we are there for people of color and say, we're not going to allow people to oppress you and marginalize you and pretend you don't exist and try to suppress the materials that tell the truth of our nation's history and how you were mistreated and the bigotry against you. We need to be allies for all people. And that is hugely, hugely important that we step forward now and do that. And on that, we're going to we're gonna call things right there. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us, Jay. We appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us here and sharing your thoughts with us. Any final words of encouragement, anything you want to share with our listeners? Is there a place they can go to find out more about your campaign for the Grossmont Union School District? Yes, I'll, I'll give my website is www dot j steiger j a y s t e i g e r dot com the campaign is scaling up uh, right now so there's a lot of focus on on the fundraising side of things and and i'm honored that recently i've been endorsed by senator tony atkins assemblymember chris ward the uh, san diego city council member raul campillo and and locally I've been endorsed by La Mesa Spring Valley trustees, Costin and Tiffany, and I've been endorsed by the Grossmont uh, Community College trustees, Justison and Shore, and I'm continuing to work on additional outreach and, and endorsements. The one last thing I, I wanted to comment on is that this is wrong, what has happened, and I will stand first and foremost for inclusion, all really means all, but I want to emphasize that the People that represent the minority extremist views, that is a minority extremist view. And they are the ones bringing the drama. They are the ones causing the problems. And all of us who are saying we stand for inclusion, we want to say 
Absolutely. And let's get inclusion locked down so we can talk about that other stuff that's really important for our kids, like making sure they have a world-class education, that they're ready for college or career, that we build strong ties with our community colleges and our uh, high school district and our high school district and our K-8 theater districts, that we look toward a potential facilities construction bond, again, that can keep the good work going in the district, that we support amazing staff and teachers at our school site. So we want to talk about all of those things and let's get that full inclusion locked down as this is just the way we exist, right? Right, awesome. So then we can move on and talk about all those other important things too. Yep, great point. We're all people, everybody bleeds red. So let's let's focus on the, the bigger issues and create a, a community we could all be happy and, and safe in. So Excellent. well, that's it for this episode. Andy Trimlett and Josh Crimston produced this podcast. And a big thanks again to Jordan Crimston for composing our theme song. Thanks for listening to Table Talk. <laughs>